Thank you for tuning in today at Propel Church. Whether you're watching through YouTube or listening through a podcast, we want to say thank you. Our hope at Propel is that you would be propelled into an authentic relationship with Jesus. From wherever you are tuning in, we hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this week's message. This past week, I, uh, I went and checked out a new restaurant. How many of you love new restaurants? Come on. I always love the opportunity to eat some new food. But when I walked into this restaurant, um, it was just different. You ever been like every restaurant's different. They have different rules. And so when I came in, I was like, do I sit down or am I supposed to wait for somebody? Right? You know, and you're panicking because you don't want to do it wrong. The worst thing is when you go get a table and they're like, you were supposed to wait for us. It's like, man, I missed that, didn't I? So I was like, all right, what do I do? And then I saw people, there was this counter that people were standing at and there was a menu above it. So I was like, are they ordering or are they paying? How does this work? I'm not really seeing any waitresses around and do I go order and then go get my table or do I sit at a table? Is somebody gonna bring me a menu? Am I the one who's cleaning my own table? Like, I'm fine if that's how it works. I just, I just don't really know because... Every restaurant is a little bit different. And I think sometimes when we come into church, every church is a little bit different. We just never really talk about it. So when we get to something like baptism, your expertise or your knowledge of what baptism is is really based on whatever church you came from or came out of. And it's probably a little bit different here at Propel Church. And sometimes different's not wrong, it's just different. And so what I want to do today is I want to open up scripture with you so that you and I can really understand a framework for baptism. And we take some time four times a year to say, hey, let's make sure we don't just expect people to understand what baptism is or why we go public with our faith through baptism. Let's really open God's word and unpack the importance of baptism. And so we're going to do that today. And one of the first things we're going to do is look at the last words that Jesus has for his disciples before he goes to ascend to be at the right hand of God. He has finished his assignment. There's a bug on stage. Come on. Did you see me catch that? Yeah. Yeah. My ADD kicked in hard. He's still there. Don't <laughs> But when Jesus is about to go be at the right hand of the Father, he has some last words for the disciples. And you know that someone's last words are really, really important to them. In fact, my wife was leaving town this past week, and before she left town, she said, Nick, I need you to know there's dishes in the dishwasher. And she wasn't telling me that so that they'd still be there when she got back, right? She was telling me there were dishes in the dishwasher because... She wanted me to do something with it. Jesus is in the same position in Matthew chapter 28. This is what it says. It says that Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, so because Jesus has been given all authority on heaven and earth, he has the means to tell them what to do next. So he says, therefore, anytime you see that word therefore in scripture, you can look back and see what it's Therefore, and so therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the passage of Scripture that scholars say is called the Great Commission. 
And normally when we talk about the Great Commission, we talk about it as if it's just this process of going out and making disciples. But there's actually two parts to the Great Commission. To go out and make disciples, and then with those disciples, you baptize them. It's a two-part process that God is telling his followers to do before he leaves earth. So Jesus is saying, I want you to go make disciples, but I want to make sure you baptize them. And so the question becomes, why? Why is baptism so important to Jesus? And I'm glad you asked. Number one is this, is that baptism is about identity. Now, how many of you have a favorite sports team? Like, you are a diehard. Now, y'all lying, right? <laughs> Didn't nobody move. All right, do this. On the count of three, I'm going to have you shout your favorite sports team at me. I don't do this often. Take advantage of this. Ready? One, two, three. Y'all are all wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. See, all of us have a sports team. They might not be our favorite sports team, but there's one that we identify with. We have preferences. We have that thing that we identify with. And most of the teams that we identify with have a rival. When we look back in the Old Testament, we see that there are two primary groups of people. There are Jews and Gentiles. And these two people are rivals. If you missed last weekend's message, I taught a message that said God is for us and them. And I believe it's a crucial message for the time we live in. You can find it on our YouTube channel. It was an incredible Sunday. But the whole concept was that there are, while there may be division between people, God is for us and them at the same time. So we talked about that last week. But with these Jews and Gentiles, what really separated them is that Gentiles believed that there was more than one God, while Jews believed that there was only one God to be worshipped. And another thing that separated them is that these Jewish people, in order to identify themselves with God, would go through this process called circumcision. And so if there were Gentiles who wanted to become Jews, then the way that they identified with God from that point forward in the Old Testament was that they had to go through the process of circumcision. Now, can I be honest? It doesn't work that way anymore, and praise God for that. Could, could you imagine being super excited? You were going to give your life to Jesus. You came into the church. You were like, hey, you know what? I'm excited about this church thing. I want to follow God with my life. I want to start serving and getting on a team. And the pastor was like, all right, no problem. The only thing you got to do is get circumcised. Ain't nobody joining that church. <laughs> You're staying out. But in the New Testament, we see that that circumcision as means of identifying ourselves with God is replaced by baptism. Now in the New Testament, when we want to identify ourselves as God's people, we go public with our faith through baptism. You'll see Paul fight people over and over because they were trying to say, hey, if you're a Gentile and you want to follow Christ, you really need to get circumcised. And Paul says, no, you don't. <laughs> Slow down. Put your knives away. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3. It may be Colossians chapter 3. It's actually Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self was ruled by the flesh, and it was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Now, when did that happen? 
having been buried with him in baptism. When we get baptized, it's the symbol of our old life being cut away and walking into new life, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the work of God who raised him from the dead. In the New Testament, when we talk about baptism, baptism is a means where we identify ourselves with God. It's almost like uh, your favorite, you know, Panther, anybody Panthers fans in the house? Come on, we're 3-0. and oh. Like, <laughs> I mean, I might have to go back to the 9 a.m. They were all like, Panthers fans. Imagine if like Christian McCaffrey, I know he's injured right now, but he just showed up next week and he was like, I'm not wearing a jersey anymore. He'd be like, well, then you're not a part of the team because it's a symbol of identity. Baptism is the same way. Baptism is where we identify ourselves with God. And it's not only where we identify ourselves with God, it's actually where God identifies himself with us. Because when Jesus is getting baptized, Jesus goes into the water and goes under. And when he comes up, Scripture says that the sky parts and God speaks and says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with. Before Jesus ever performs a miracle, Jesus identifies himself with God through baptism and God identifies himself with Jesus as a son. It's a beautiful opportunity for you and I to see what baptism really is all about. And the first thing is that baptism is about identity. Here's the second thing. Baptism is about obedience. Baptism is about obedience. Now, before we go too far into today's message, I want to make sure that you and I are really clear on something. Baptism is not what saves you and I as followers of Jesus. The only thing that saves us is Jesus Christ. Anytime we try and add anything to that, anytime we go, well, yeah, it's baptism plus church attendance. We've fallen in love with the wrong gospel. Anytime we say, because it's really not that good of news if you could just work for it to earn it. Good news is that despite our inability to earn God's love, he chose to give it to us and lay down his life for us. So baptism is all about obedience because you do not have to be you do not have to be baptized to get into heaven. It's a preference that God has because it's an opportunity for you to become a co-heir with Christ and to partner with him. So the depiction we have in baptism is that we are buried with Christ in his death and then we are raised to new life with him. It's purely symbolic and so there are some churches or some theologies out there that say, well, if you get baptized more than once, then you're wrong. It's a symbol. And so you may be going, well, what happens if like I, I got baptized at a young age, but then, you know, I decide later on in life I need to get baptized. It just means you were a wet sinner the first time. Like you're good because it's symbolic. It's like my wedding ring. This wedding ring symbolizes that your boy's off the market, right? Like, I'm taken, I am married. It's a symbol. Baptism is the same way. And the symbol that it gives us is that we're buried with Christ in his death and we're raised to new life with him. Now, the good news in that, that it's symbolic and it being about obedience, 
is that we can realize and understand, I think every time we look throughout Scripture, we see that there's tremendous blessing on the other side of obedience. Parents, you ever had your kids ask, you ask your kids to do something and they come back at you and they say, well, why? Why do you want me to do that? And you're like, because I said so, you know? I think God works the same way with us sometimes because we're his children. And so God has all of these preferences, these things that he's given us in scripture. And he says, this is what I want you to do. And we go, well, why God? And God's like, because I said so. If you just do them, you'd find tremendous blessing. We see that in Luke chapter five with Peter. Peter's been fishing all night. He's a professional fisherman. And if you've been fishing all night, you know that when you don't catch any fish all night, you don't want to talk to nobody. But Jesus shows up onto the shore and he says, Peter, let's go out. Let's go fishing again. So they get into the boat and they head out. And when Jesus and Peter get out into the lake, Jesus says, Peter, I want you to throw your net to the other side of the boat. If I was Peter, I'd be like, you think I didn't do that? I've been fishing all night. But Peter looks at Jesus in Luke chapter five and he says, because you say so, I will. That's what obedience looks like. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes you're wondering, why does God want me to do that? Why? Because he said so. And if you'll do it, you'll see the blessing that comes from your willingness to be obedient. Peter throws the net to the other side of the boat, and Scripture says that immediately he caught fish. Immediately his net was so full of fish that the boat he was in couldn't even contain it, and they had to get another boat to come help them. Baptism, I think, is one of those keys of obedience that unlocks tremendous blessing in our lives. But the reality is for a lot of us, the reason why we're not obedient is because God is not actually an authoritative figure in our lives. So we talk about relationship all the time, that we don't want religion, we want relationship. But most of us, at best, only have a manipulative relationship with God. Because he only, we only do what we want to do rather than reeling in or, or catering to what he said we ought to do in our lives. Matthew chapter 28, I read it to you earlier, but just to point out one more thing, it says this. And when Jesus came, he told his disciples, he's been given all authority. For most of us in our own lives, he just has some authority. But that's not the case. If you really want blessing in your life, he has to have all authority. And the good news is he has just more than just authority on earth. He also has it in heaven. So when we understand that God is an authoritative figure, that what he says goes, it makes such a big difference in our lives, which for me means that baptism is no longer an issue of personal preference. It's an issue of obedience. God said, get baptized. And if you and I sit here and go, well, you know, what if I, and, and don't loophole your way out of blessing. It's an issue of obedience. Are we going to be people who do what God says to do? Because at the end of the day, he is an authoritative figure. And when God says do it, we either have to decide whether or not we're going to be obedient to do what God is asking us to do in our own lives. I've met people before too that have said, you know, pastor, I'm, you know, I'm praying about getting baptized. Here's the good news. 
You don't have to pray about things God has already said to do. That's the tactic of the enemy. Can I tell you? You can look back in, in Genesis chapter 3. One of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to twist what God said and make you call it into question. So, so he, if you see an orphan or a widow or someone who's poor, you don't have to go, God, should I help that person? He said, take care of them. When God says to do something, you and I don't have to pray about it. We can walk in obedience of it. You still with me, 1030? Ten of you. All right, let's go. Here's the third thing. <laughs> is that baptism happens after salvation. So we talk about baptism is all about identity. Baptism is about obedience. And baptism happens after salvation. A lot of times when we get into churches, we have these different opinions or we see things a little bit differently. But every time we look in Scripture, which whether you're a part of this church or another church, our preferences really don't matter when it comes to the truth of God's word. So when we look in scripture, like that's where we find our standard and, and I might have opinions or thoughts, but if they're not in alignment with scripture, then I have to conclude the fact that I'm wrong. So when we look at scripture and we see, some of y'all are like, oh, that's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. I know. It's okay to admit you're wrong. We just live in a world that people can't admit they're wrong. That's why they struggle so much. Baptism happens after salvation. Every time we see baptism in the New Testament, it happens after someone has made the decision to surrender their life to Jesus, to place their belief in him. It happens after salvation. What I think is interesting, too, is uh, the word that's used for baptism in Greek. It's this word, baptizo. Now, there were two words that were really at play during this time. There was bapto and there was baptizo. Bapto was a word that was used to symbolize or acknowledge when you would take hot water and wash off vegetables. I'm not a vegetable eater. Some of y'all, like, I don't believe in vegetables. Not a vegetable, not a vegetable fan. And so the other day, uh, it was actually a couple months ago, it was when we were in quarantine. I was like, all right, you know what? I'm already suffering for the Lord. I might as well try some vegetables. So Tori, <laughs> Tori uh, she, my wife went and she went to the grocery store. She brought, brought home these carrots. And I called her one day. She was out. And I said, babe, you need to go buy some new carrots. These are gross. They taste like they got dirt all over them. And she was like, did you wash them? I was like, I didn't know you had to wash carrots, you know what I'm saying? So, no, I didn't wash the carrots. The word that would have been used there is that word, bapto. It means to rinse with water, to wash off. But then there's this word, baptizo. And this word is actually the same word that they use with pickles. Because you're taking a cucumber and you're putting it into a vinegar solution and the solution changes the identity of it forever. So when we look at this word baptizo, which is the word for baptism, it's to dip or immerse or submerge to be forever changed. The symbol of baptism is that when you and I go into the water, our old life stays there. And you're leaving that place and you're walking into the new life that God has for you. And so if you were wondering, like, well, how does Propel baptize? Baptizo 
the word for baptism is to immerse. Two reasons why we baptize by immersion here at Propel Church. One, because the word baptizo means to immerse. That's where we get baptism from. And two, because that's how Jesus got baptized. And I've just figured if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> baptism happens after salvation. Because before salvation, you and I aren't changed. We're still stuck. We're still stuck in our sin. We're still stuck in our bondage and in captivity. But the good news for every single one of us is that Jesus Christ came to die in our place and to set us free. Look at what Romans chapter 6 says. It says this. Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in his baptism, we joined him also in his death? For we are for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, right? That's that symbol that we were buried with him. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So the good news for every single one of us here is that if you've been stuck in bondage and in captivity, you've been a slave to your past life, your past mistakes, your past identity, the good news is that through the waters of baptism, it's not what saves you, but symbolically, it's that fresh start you've been craving for. It's that new life you've been desiring. It's that opportunity for you to leave your mess behind and to walk in the new life that God has for you. Some of us have been looking for a fresh start through a New Year's resolution or a social media post or the next 12-step program, and it doesn't happen anywhere other than through Jesus. And the symbol that we get through baptism is that when we go under, it's gone. Like that old life gets to stay there. The filth and the mess and the bondage and the burden and all that stuff you've been carrying only goes with you if you choose to take it. But when you're raised out of the water, you get to walk into new life. And it's not to say you're going to be perfect, because you're not. It's not going to say that from the moment of your baptism, you come out of the water and it's like you never do anything wrong again. It's a symbol. <laughs> you still got to deal with issues in your heart. You still got to allow God to daily have that authoritative role in your life. You still have to pick up your cross daily and surrender to him. Baptism doesn't mean that your life gets easier. It means that you're choosing to acknowledge the fact that you're not who you once were. That you're choosing to acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for your sin and now your life is lived in service to the one who gave everything for you. That's what baptism is all about. So it says, since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power. We are no longer slaves to sin. That's the good news of the gospel. Like you may have heard about Jesus your entire life and I'm not sure what you've heard of him or the experience you've had with the people who have claimed to be his followers. But if you wanna understand what the gospel is, it's that you and I were slaves to sin and in our own power, we could not overcome it. But thanks to Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin. 
Thanks to Jesus' death on the cross, you and I are experiencing new life through him. And it wasn't our works or our deeds or our efforts. It is only through his saving power. And so today's baptism weekend and we're talking about whether or not you need to get baptized. And I got four people I wanna to talk to real quick. We got eight minutes left. The first group are those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let's pull up that Romans verse one more time. When it says at the very end that you and I were slaves to sin, you're still stuck there. If you haven't surrendered your life to Christ, you're still in bondage and captivity to the sin that you have. And you've been praying about it and you've been trying to get over it and you've been working on yourself to get things right, but you're still a slave unless you allow Jesus to come into your life. And right now, you don't need to get baptized because baptism happens after salvation. So first and foremost, I wanna create the opportunity if you're here today and you say, hey, I know I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I know I'm still the one calling all the shots in my life. I am that authoritative figure. If you wanna throw your stake in the ground and surrender your life to Christ today, I wanna create the space for you to do that. So with every head bowed, every eye closed across the room for just a moment, maybe you're watching online right now, there's the ability for you to respond here as well. But hey, you'd say, I know I need to surrender my life to Christ today. No matter what your age is, no matter what your background is, no matter the things you've been through, if you'd say, I need to surrender my life to Christ, would you just lift your hand in the air and say, hey, that's me. I see those. Here's what we're gonna do, church. Nobody prays alone, we all pray together. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. And so for those of you who made that decision today, for those of you who said, hey, I need to get baptized. I, I, I needed to give my life to Jesus. Here's the good news. The first step you have after giving your life to Jesus is baptism, and guess what, it's baptism weekend. So if you just gave your life to Christ today, if you made that decision, today you need to get baptized. The second group of people that I wanna to talk to are those of you who got baptized maybe as a kid or you got baptized as a teenager, even as an adult, but then later on in your life, you made the decision to actually surrender your life to Jesus, to allow him to save you from your sin. Here's the thing, Baptism happens after salvation. And so it could have been that it was, you know, an emotional response. Hey, everybody was getting baptized, so you went and got baptized. It could have been that it was like family picture day, right? Mom was like, your aunt and uncle are coming into town and we're not doing this again, so get your butt in the tank, right? Like it could have been that. But then later on in your life, you made the decision to follow Jesus. And if that's the case, because baptism happens after salvation, today, you need to get baptized. For some of you, you've never been baptized in your life because your parents baptized you as an infant. And when we look throughout scripture, nowhere do we see infant baptism. 
In fact, infant baptism actually began in a rate or during the time period where babies were dying at a rapid rate. And it was designed as a way to tell parents or give parents hope that if their child died, that they would be saved. Here's what I want you to know. God is a loving God who creates the opportunity for that to happen, but never is baptism a means of salvation. So if you were baptized as an infant, today you need to get baptized if you've given your life to Jesus. And I also want you to know that you're not standing in contradiction of that decision that your parents made. Because what your parents were saying is, hey, I want my kid to grow up and follow Jesus. And you're not in contradiction of that, but in confirmation of that saying, hey, I've made that decision to follow Jesus with my life. And today you can take that step to get baptized. And the fourth group of people that I wanna talk to, I'll talk to the hard-headed people in the room for a second. Some of y'all chuckle, cause it's you, right? I meet a whole lot of people who the reason why they don't go public with their faith or the reason why they don't take that next step and get baptized is because they feel like, well, I've been following Jesus for a really long time. I've been in the church for 20, 30 years. And you know what? It's just too late in the game for me. Like, what will people think if I'm the one that goes and gets baptized? Can I tell you what they'll think? They're going to celebrate their head off with you. I think sometimes the enemy robs us of the blessing of obedience because he pulls us to a place where we're fearful of what people think. And for some of us, the reason why we won't come forward today and get baptized is because of pride. And so the last thing I've got for you this morning is to don't let pride keep you from walking in obedience. If you feel like the Lord is telling you that today you need to get baptized, then guess what? get baptized. When you and I choose to walk in obedience, it releases blessing that we never thought was possible. And so I think the question becomes now, do you need to get baptized? And that's not one of those questions that I can answer for you. It's not a question that your parent can answer for you. It's a question that you have to ask with God. Have you first made the decision to surrender your life to Jesus? And then after that, have you gone public to declare your faith through the waters of baptism? Church, will you do me a favor? Will you stand to your feet for a moment? In just a second, I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to count to three. And there are some of you who are scheduled to get baptized, and there's some of you who are not scheduled to get baptized. I feel like it's my responsibility as the pastor to, which if we haven't met, I'm the pastor. My name's Nick. I feel like it's my responsibility to help you overcome any obstacles or hurdles that you might have in your ability to say yes to a moment like this. And so every Baptism Sunday, we have this thing called spontaneous baptism, which is where you didn't plan to get baptized at church, but during the message, God laid it on your heart to get baptized, we want you to know that we're ready for you if you're ready to go public with your faith. And so when I count to three in a second and dismiss the people who are gonna get baptized today, you're gonna see them walk through those doors in the back. 
And once you go out of the auditorium doors, there's gonna be a team of people who are yelling and excited. They're gonna high five you. It's gonna be awesome. But then they're gonna give you a bag. And in that bag, we've got a t-shirt for you. We got underwear for you. Come on. You didn't bring, you didn't bring, you're like, I didn't bring extra underwear to church. We got shorts for you. We've got everything you need to take that next step. Because while you may not have been ready for this, we were ready for you. And so if you wanna make that decision today, today you can do so. I'm gonna pray over you and then count to three and you're gonna know, you're not gonna be surprised. The band's gonna be really loud behind me. We're gonna count to three. And then church, when we get to three, I want you to cheer as loud as you possibly can for those people who are making that decision to go public with their faith by exiting the doors. And once they exit the doors, they're gonna go get changed. We're gonna sing another song. Then we're gonna come out and celebrate baptism. Let's pray. Hey God, we love you so much. And we thank you for the opportunity we have today to worship you, to be here in this moment. And Lord, we ask right now for clarity and wisdom. If you are placing it on our heart to be baptized today, would you just make that known? And then Lord, would you give us the courage, the wisdom and the boldness to be obedient to do that here today. We thank you for the beautiful symbol that baptism gives us, that we are buried with Christ in his death and we're raised to new life in him. And so if you wanna get baptized today, I'm gonna count to three. One, man, God is for you and we believe in you. Two, three. Come on church, can you help me celebrate? Thank you for checking out this week's message. If you made any decisions for Jesus or you need a next step or have a prayer request, let us know by going to www.propel.church/hub. That leads you to our digital connect card where you can fill out all of that information as well as see what we have coming up here at Propel. Thank you again for tuning in and we hope to see you again soon.